0: Today does kick off this new series called Messengers, uh, and it's going to be rather lengthy. It's going to get us through the summer. It's going to get us then into, into, uh, it'll still be summer, but school will be started back. And and it's going to be looking at the books of the Bible called the Minor Prophets, right? And, and so these are the books that, that are kind of towards the back of the Old Testament. These are the, these are the things that we kind of read over, we see, but, but we, we don't really spend a whole lot of time there. We, we might, uh, you know, we, we, we might go there for a verse or two. We might grab a little detail out of one of these books. Uh, some of them, I, I don't even know outside of doing the reading through the year if I've ever studied Nahum before. Right, like, like I, I don't even know if I've ever done that in my entire life. I know I had an Old Testament uh, survey class one time, and we might have addressed it or met through it. Once I, I don't, I just don't remember. It, right, and and in the modern church, we don't go there a whole lot. And so, just through some conviction and understanding that all of God's word is a benefit to us, we've been praying and we've been deciding, hey, we need to cover this part of the Bible. Okay, and so today is just some information. Today is almost history class. As a matter of fact, it started out a couple weeks ago as being very much history class. And I'm like, well, let's just tone that down a little bit. Let's give some basic information. And so most everything that we discuss today is going to be on this piece of paper that you have. Okay? Uh, we could speak to the historical significance and share facts about these books in the Bible for weeks to come. Right? and we can get bogged down within the facts and the history. Uh, so we're not going to do that. We we want God's word to meet us where we are, uh, but there does have to be some context, right? So with that, we need to look at some important biblical dates and events. And I'm not going to read all these, right? But just kind of give you some reference points as to as to what's going on and when these minor prophets kind of show up on the scene. Uh, it, it, we're going to start with. Ten Commandments, 1455 B.C., okay? This is where God gave the law to Moses, Mount Sinai. Then 1405, that was the beginning of the conquest of Canaan. If you remember, there was some 40 years of wandering around because of the sins of the people. 1050, the people wanted a king because everybody else had a king. I mean, when has that ever been, like, good? well everybody else has got that everybody else does this everybody so we need one too and God's like y'all aren't ready for a king but they're like we want a king we want a king we want a king and God's like okay fine I'll let you learn your mistakes the hard way and so he allowed a king Saul becomes king of Israel then David becomes king of Israel and then Solomon becomes king of Israel and life is grand until about 975 BC I know that date's not on here About 975 B.C., things start to change. If you turn within your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 11, I'm going to read a story for you. It's going to come up on the screen. About that time, Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem, and Uiah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone out in the country, and Uiah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing, and he tore it into twelve pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. See, I am going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you ten tribes. But for the sake of my servant David and the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe. I will do this because they have forsaken me and worship Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moabites, and Molech, the god of the Ammonites, and have not walked in obedience to me, nor done what is right in the eyes, nor kept my decrees and laws as David, Solomon's father, did. But I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant, whom I chose, and who obeyed my commands and decrees. I will take the kingdom from his son's hands and give you ten tribes. I will give one tribe to his son so that David, my servant, may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to put my name. However, as for you, I will take you And you will rule over all that your heart desires. You will be king over Israel. If you do whatever I command you and walk in obedience to me and do what is right in my eyes by obeying my decrees and commands, as David my servant did, I will be with you. I will build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built for David and will give Israel to you. I will humble David's descendants because of this, but not forever. All right. Here's what's going on. God is using this prophet, okay, Uriah, who is a prophet, but he's not a written prophet, meaning he didn't write things for us that's recorded in Scripture, right? God's using this prophet, from Shiloh, and he is basically, uh, in 975, basically saying, These kingdom, this kingdom is going to be split into two. God's like, I'm going to use your new cloak, and you're going to rip the new cloak up, and it's going to be in 12 pieces, and 10 of them are going to be over here, and two of them are going to be over here. And that's that's what's going to happen. And so this conversation took place in 975, give or take, all right? And in 931, it came true. The kingdom is divided into Israel and Judah. And so when you are reading throughout the Old Testament, and and you see these different kingdoms, Know that the kingdom at this point on, after Solomon, there's two different kingdoms that that have been established. And God has allowed it to happen because the people are so full of themselves. And that's why he said, I'm going to let you have your heart's desires. And, And if you track through the history of the kings, and there's, well, we may actually get into some of this. If you track through the history of the kings, most of the kings of Israel, the one with the ten territories, they're pretty much bad. Alright? They, they, they were pretty much just pagans who were seeking uh, their own gods and not Jehovah. It doesn't mean that every king of Judah was good, but most of them were. Alright? And, and, and so that's that's kind of that's kind of the difference. And so you see the divided kingdom, which is important for us because the minor prophets went to both, as we will see throughout. And so just to eliminate, hopefully, any confusion moving forward, you've got to know that these kingdoms are divided. Israel, mostly just wretched. Judah, still sinners, but not as bad off as Israel. Okay? And a lot of the minor prophets are going to be working directly with the kings of Israel, and a lot of what they have to do is hardcore. Like, for some of our parents this day and age, it would be, oh my gosh, how can we say that, right? But it's it's tough, and it had to be tough, and it was just the culture of the time, right? So you can read the rest of the, uh, the timeline there. You can see when, you know, Israel was taken captive by the Assyrians, Judah, Babylonians, Daniel comes into this, all the other prophets come into all this. Temple's destroyed, then people start returning. We might study Nehemiah next year. Uh, I think that'd be pretty pretty cool because they're the ones that come back and actually rebuild the city, okay? There's the timeline. Now, what's a prophet? We're going to talk about the minor prophets. What's a prophet? So we can ask this question out loud, um, and, and you're going to get several different answers, but here's the thing. At the, at the core, a prophet is a spokesperson for God. He, he's, he's the mouth of God. You and I, we don't necessarily need prophets. You want to know why? Because God has given us his recorded word, Okay? Uh, God couldn't just have Jonah send a tweet over to Nineveh to take care of the message, all right? He had to actually send somebody on his behalf to speak to the people. And so a prophet is a person who has a message from God. They are acting as God's own mouth and they're speaking to the people just as the Bible does to you and I today, right? Like the Bible speaks to us. God We have access to this. We have these things everywhere. And God's like, here's my word to speak into your life. So a prophet's words were as authoritative as God's words. Have you ever read through scripture and actually thought, these are the words of God speaking to me. These things carry God's approval. Prophets relate a message from God, though God's grace, through, or through God's grace, He sent the prophets to Israel so they would know His will. Like we're going to read some of these things, you're going to look at at, at at some of the messages, and you're going to be like, "Where's the grace in this again?" And 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 I'm telling you, there, God's grace is woven. It's it's stamped on every person's life. His grace is abundant, and it's for all, and to all, and it's not just a Jesus thing. And we're gonna we're gonna show you how grace-filled he is even in some of these very harsh messages that are sent prophets were foretellers I know we like to call them fortune tellers right but like they get to pick uh, the future and tell us what's going to be happening when the prophets were foretellers more than fortune tellers they did at times speak and predict the future right? however God primarily used them to reveal his plans and his will for his people. Prophets are, they, they always, or not always, they often served as advisors to the current earthly king. And so you hear stories of Elijah meeting with, with, with the king Ahaz. And, and king Ahaz has this guy by the name of Obadiah who's kind of his, his his advisor. It's the same Obadiah, right? And so Elijah and Obadiah's paths are crossing here. And Obadiah was the, the advisor to the king. Alright? And so you see that throughout time. Um, understanding and interpreting the prophets. The number one reason why people avoid the, the these this part of the Bible is because we don't get it. We don't understand it. Does it, it doesn't make sense. And so there's You you can Google this and you can come up with a hundred tips for interpreting and understanding the prophets. Here's three that we're going to use as we proceed through the next several weeks, all right? They're going to help us. It's it's really and truly, let's keep it simple. Kiss. It is necessary to understand the political, moral, social, and religious conditions at the time in which the prophet lived and preached. All right, we've got to know what's going on when it was going on, and when the message was delivered, all right? It's just going to help us all the more. We can take it and we can read it. And if we don't understand the context behind it, we're just not going to get some things, all right? So as we study, we've got to understand the political, moral, and social, and religious conditions at the time, okay? That's tip number one. Tip number two, and here's the thing with that, that does, that does actually require some work. Right? Like you're not just going to pick up your Bible and it be spelled out there before you. You you are going to have to dig into any of the thousands upon thousands of documents that, that the Bible works congruently with throughout the course of history. Right? I mean God spoke to these civil to these civilizations of these time periods, these people during these time periods, and history is writing the same script right over here about what's going on. And so this part of it does take some work. If you're going to understand it on your own, you're going to have to dig a little bit, right? The second tip for us is that everything that that God caused to be included in the Bible is of real importance for his people throughout the ages, yet the prophets spoke directly to the people of their time. All scripture that is recorded for us had a direct message to the audience in which it was written. We get all spun up in the book of Revelation, for example, right? we love to to study it we love to get into it and what we forget is that that book was written to an audience in the time that it was written that that wasn't just for the christians and the generations to come those messages of of you know lampstands and uh trumpets and, and and all the other figures of speech meant something to the churches that received the message at that time, right? So all of Scripture was applicable to the people who heard it and is applicable to our lives today. So so we can't just sit here and and, and think that everything is about some future thing that is going to happen. All Scripture that has been recorded was for the audience in which originally read it or heard it. Okay, so we've got to understand that and then the third thing we've said this already like all literature prophecy certainly contains figures of speech now this does not mean that it's necessarily obscure the proper inter- interpretation of the prophetic messages requires get this, comparison of scripture with other scripture that's going to be our main tool to interpret scripture through these prophecies is other scripture, right? And so scripture is always consistent. God never changes. You might have to dig. You might have to search a little bit. But but what, what God says to Nahum about the bloodletting that took place in Nineveh was the same thing and the same reason that Jonah went. And there's scriptures that connect. Nahum and Zephaniah, for example, have a lot in common, and you can interpret Nahum by understanding what's going on in Zephaniah, and so on and so forth throughout, okay? Now, as I was thinking about this, what's the main message of the minor prophets? There's a lot there, And, and they're not minor prophets because they're thought less of. Right, like they're the B team prophets. Okay, it's not, it's not that. Okay, it's not like we got Daniel and Elijah and Elisha, and you know, we got, we got the big dogs. Jeremiah, man, he made the cut. He made the team. And then, oh yeah, you guys are the reserves. It's not that. Their books are just shorter. Okay, that's all. That's all. That, that, that's why they're considered to be the minor prophets. Is they, they just got to the point a whole lot quicker than all the others. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They should be, like, favorite prophets. Um, So, what's the theme, though, that runs through? And as I was thinking about this, there are several themes that we could pull out, but at the end of the day, it's this. They're looking ahead to the Messiah. And there's this consistent thread that runs throughout the message of the prophets. And that thread is the coming Messiah and his eternal kingdom. Right? And I've given you reference here, Hosea. Joel, Amos, Obadiah. I didn't include any references to Jonah, but Jonah chapter two and three certainly point to this. Micah, Nahum is the one that you can make an argument for that does not actually point to the coming Messiah. The cool part about that is I don't have to preach on Nahum. That's Caleb's responsibility. Because I'm going to be so I'm leaving that one. Bye. Zebedee, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. All of these that we're going to study, as you get to the message for the people in the time period in which they're living, are still pointing to the coming Messiah. And so it makes sense when Jesus says things like in Luke 2.44. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the psalms Right? I mean, hundreds of years later, Jesus is on the scene. I mean, these are the things that I, I'm, I've been talking about. All of this stuff, all of this thing has to be fulfilled. Because the guys, the disciples, they're, they, they're, they're of Jewish uh, heritage. They know these messages. These messages that have been as they've sat in temples and they've heard about Isaiah and the things that Isaiah had to say, and and so they they've heard the things about Elijah and they 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 know Malachi. They they know this stuff, and then Jesus comes along. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms, because. That's what they're pointing to. The central theme of the minor prophets is pointing to Jesus. Luke says it also in Luke three or Luke Acts three eighteen. But this is how God fulfilled what He had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this that His Messiah would suffer. Right, all the prophets don't miss that. I mean, I wrote that down through all the prophets the Messiah would suffer. so that's what they're pointing to so as much as we talk about Jesus we avoid this portion this section of the Bible and I know I'm the main guy that does it okay so I'll, I'll take that right but but these books that we avoid in our reading are still pointing to Jesus so this, this Old Testament series is going to be about jesus i mean think about it that, we're, we're doing an introduction today to the minor prophets and what are we using the new testament hmm. to talk about it hebrews chapter one <clears throat> verses one through three and i'm almost done about in the past god spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, who he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of Majesty in heaven. Praise the Lord! Right in the past, the author says. God spoke to our ancestors, cousins, and mimos, and all them. He spoke to them through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, okay, and I don't want us to get caught up in that, okay. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Every generation that's ever lived has thought that they were living in the last days. You want to know why? Because your days are numbered, and you're living in your last days. All right? Now, I'm not going to put a number on that. Some of us are closer to our last days than other people are, are but, but we are living in our last days. That's why we're always thinking that this is the last days when we look at society. All right? Don't get caught up in this message so much. But, but the author of Hebrews is right. man. He has spoken to us by his Son. Don't miss verse 3. Sustain all things by his powerful word. He spoke to us through his Son and giving to us to the Holy Spirit eventually, right? Um, and we, we have that. But what sustains us in all things His powerful word, church. As Jeremiah wrote in First Kings, we read this passage earlier, verse thirty-eight. If you do whatever I command you and walk in obedience to me, and you do what is right in my eyes by obeying my decrees and commands, as David, my servant, did, I will be with you. As we read in Psalm one nineteen, and you know I you know put this up, but as we read in Psalm one nineteen, blameless is those, blameless is he who walks in the way of the Lord. And when we are living in obedience to God's word, Hebrews says it's going to sustain us in all things. So as we launch into this series, this journey through the minor prophets has one goal, and that is to spur you on to becoming like Jesus that's what we're about here. I was having a conversation with a guy this weekend. He said, like, tell me about your church. I'm like, well, what do you want to know about? It? We're, we're a small church. What do you, what do you, what are some specific? What do you asking?" He started getting into it. Of course, he was asking all the questions. How many people you got? So it depends on the thing. Sometimes we got more, sometimes we got less. We got food, we got more. <laughs> we don't have food, we got less. We got to have less people. Well, that's how it works, right? Like, and so we're sitting there and we're talking about it. And, 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 and he was like, well, you don't, you know, he's like, you seem like you don't take something seriously. And I said, there's one thing I take seriously about our church. I want the individuals who show up on a regular basis, who are living in a relationship with one another, to take seriously the command of becoming like Jesus. That's what I care about. I mean, and, and like, it, it really and truly is that simple. And so as we study these crazy named people when we listen to their figures of speech and we listen to the, the figurative language that they use, my prayer for you is that it will spur you on to become like Jesus. God, we love you We thank you so much for your work. And we thank you that everything book of Psalms, Proverbs, the historical books, the law that Moses wrote. God, everything here points to you. And so as we get into some hard topics that don't make sense, (coughs) about things like Hosea, Marrying a prostitute to make a point. God, it's all your will and it's all pointing to Jesus. I pray that no matter what's going on, it's going to speak to our lives. And so, Lord, may we be transformed by the renewal of our minds as we hear from a part of your word that that we don't study. God, I just pray that, as always, you speak to us. Love you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings in life. Thank you, God, for just the opportunity, the encouragement to come and sit at the feet of your word. Pray these things in your Son.